0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: on that note so qualifying was today oh do you know what happens no do you want to know what happens sure guess who put it on poll Nasty dear no okay okay. i would be like Oh, Um. Oh, Um. oh i don't know
0: Yes, that's the game, mate. <laughs> yeah, but I'll just guess the name that I like or want. I'll just
1: guess I'm sure it it's not
0: Max it. because you're happy. Um, Alonso.
1: No, uh, that would have been great. my oh, like all for <laughs> the <No>. underdogs.
0: Um, and <laughs> on Leclerc? No. Signs. No. <laughs> <What else? laughs> you're like, who's left?
1: Paris. No. make Close. Close.
0: Magnuson! Yes!
1: What? <laughs> no! Yeah. Got the timing right and nailed it. No! No, it wasn't DR on poll. but if it can't be him, then it might as well have been Kevin Magnuson. Welcome to Free Practice Fridays with Freya, where depending on your time zone, it might just still be Friday, but it's definitely Saturday in Australia. It's going to be a slightly different episode this week where we can now actually confirm that Tommy T doesn't write back to messages rather than Freya forgetting to send them. But holy smokes, who would have thought the news of the day is that K-Mag is on pole. Watching the Discord as this was gradually coming to fruition and we realised what was going to happen was probably one of the greatest things I've seen second only to when Daniel was racing at Monza. And absolute scenes in the Haas garage. What a phenomenal start to the weekend. I'm really excited about Brazil and after this, I don't see how anybody couldn't be, but not everybody will have watched qualifying yet so we won't ruin any surprises and instead let's just get stuck into other news of the week and a couple of interesting things to talk about. First of all just going into this weekend we've got Carlos who's got a five place grid penalty. Um, This is his sixth new engine because as we all know the Ferrari engine blows up whenever it feels like it and we had very dramatic scenes with him catching fire and having to quickly uh, evacuate his car And, of course, his eighth exhaust system. And what is interesting, of course, just remember that this is a sprint weekend, which means that those will be applied to Sunday's race start as opposed to Saturday. There's no other technical upgrades this weekend. No one has submitted any changes to their car, I think, which really just shows that, you know, at this point in the season, there's no point in spending money on the last couple of races, given that both championships are done. Um, we've obviously got some interesting battles going on, um, but, you know, everybody's been focused on, on next year for a couple of races now and that also sees that there's no technical upgrades this weekend. But Carlos is not the only one with an, a new exhaust. VB and Joe Yu will also take their eighth, which is, as I understand it, the as many as you're allowed to um, this season, so hopefully it makes it through the next two races. When it comes to Brazil, we've got a couple of track changes, nothing really um, noticeable I suppose from a spectator's Perspective. There's some new barriers, there's some new guardrails, we've got a new public space which means that they need new guardrails and they do also have though some new surface grooves on the main straight to try and mitigate some of that aquaplaning. So given how variable the weather is looking for this weekend, that might just turn out to be quite important to how it pans out Um, but we will see what happens. It certainly looked pretty ominous towards later afternoon this weekend with the drivers kind of saying it's getting darker and darker out here and just that constant threat of rain. So we'll see what happens in the sprint and in the race as well on Sunday. We do have extra points on offer this weekend, of course, um, which will be important to both the drivers and constructors as much as both of them have been, you know, they're both in the bag when it comes to Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Um, we do have a five-point difference only between, you know, Perez and Leclerc going into qualifying. So there's lots of little battles going on in constructors as well with Alpine only seven points ahead of McLaren. So those extra points this weekend might just be the difference to a couple of those, um, those com- competitions or battles that haven't yet been won. For a moment, it looks like DeVries was going to get a go in the McLaren, which means that perhaps by next weekend um, or by Abu Dhabi, he would have been in every single car on the grid, um, but that didn't end up coming to fruition and we did indeed see Lando get on the track instead, but I was going to be pretty entertained to see uh, Nick Devery having a go in pretty much every team. If When we get our 150 races next year, um, we might just see that happen, although he will, of course, be in a driver's seat by then. Other things that were happening during this week, I think you had to be living in a cave to miss the fact that there was the Vegas launch, um, over 40,000 fans there. And I think, you know, if this if the launch and the way they went about it in terms of, you know, the drone show being the indicator that tickets were on sale, all sorts of things and cars driving through casinos and other outrageous scenes like the lights under the cars and whatnot, if that's anything to go by, this race is just going to be such a spectacle, which is what we had always Suspected, you know, this whole event is purely designed for entertainment. Um, It's not designed for competition. And George Russell even said as much when he started getting a visual of the track and actually being there, kind of saying, This is designed for the spectators. Um, It's designed for entertainment. It might not be the most enjoyable track for a driver, um, but people will be entertained, that's for sure. And if you're paying two to two and a half thousand dollars for tickets, then you would hope to be entertained. Um, As As we all know, this is going to be one of those um, events that's pretty inaccessible to those of us who don't have the blue tick. James might be invited though. Um, He'll have the blue tick by then. Not that he'll care. In fact, don't don't give him the blue tick. That's fine. But Hamilton, uh, Russell, Albon, Perez were all there along with a couple of the team principals um, and obviously some of the Sky F1 and F1 broadcasters. So really interesting to see how that pans out next year. I think we got a pretty good taster for it um, through through that launch event, which just looked pretty outrageous. I just wanted to do a quick cap, um, a recap this weekend with the sprint race, because we haven't had one for a little while. And the rules this year with the sprint race did change to last year. And we haven't actually had it confirmed if they're going to change again next year. There have been some reports to say that it might, you know, whether or not um, the sprint race outcome is as closely linked from a points perspective and position perspective with the Sunday race, or if they are actually kind of, I suppose, untangled in a certain way. Um, there's been a few reports that they're going to revisit how a sprint weekend is is organised. But for this time around, um, we you know we had three sprints last year. We've got three this year. There'll be six next year. As I mentioned, we haven't had those venues confirmed yet. Um, But these were introduced to try and bring more competition basically across the days, you know, make it more exciting for spectators and have every time you kind of you go out on track mean more when it comes to the competition in Formula One. There's very different perspectives when it comes to whether or not this is a good addition to the sport. Max Verstappen obviously has been pretty outspoken in saying that he doesn't like them. Um, He doesn't feel like it adds value to the weekend and they just tend to focus on trying to not get damage rather than actually going all out um, on the Saturday sprint race. But it does mean that you have qualifying on a Friday um, and the sprint obviously on a Saturday, which is about 100 K's. Um, and then you have the race on Sunday, which is your full race distance. So qualifying sets the grid for sprint and then sprint sets the grid for the race on Sunday and the top eight in a sprint are awarded points. So last year it was only the top three. So we do have more points on offer this year, um, which I think was a good move because it does add more meaning to the sprint race. Although I think we are meant to say that it's not a race, but sprint race, race, not a race, whatever. Um, but it does make that a bit more meaningful. It adds more excitement to or, or an already exciting weekend with the sprint when you've got more on offer when it co- comes to to points. So what are the points? You've got eight um, for first place in sprint, decreasing by one point down to eighth. So it's just the top eight who, who get points on the Saturday Then, of course, results from the sprints at the grid for Sunday, as I mentioned. And as with a regular race format, pole position would go to the fastest qualifier, in this case, Kevin Magnussen. Still can't believe it. Though this is actually changed from last year where it was the sprint winner who won pole, who was technically given pole position, which never made any sense to me given that pole position winner is meant to be the winner of qualifying, um, which is on in qualifying. But anyway, maybe that's just one of those moves where they've come to their censuses. <laughs> censuses. This is what happens when I have to host a podcast by myself. I start making up words, although I do that in every other one anyway. Um, but they have come to their senses somewhat um, in doing the logical thing whereby poll goes to the fastest qualifier. It, of course, also means that we only have two practice sessions, Um because the third one essentially becomes qualifying, which just means that teams have a little bit less time um, and kind of flexibility to try and set up their cars um, for the weekend for qualifying and then for the races, which can have implications, I think, but it's interesting to see how it does change the weekend when it comes to viewing, when it comes to how teams approach it, um, and how, of course, drivers feel about going into those weekends. It was a big weekend last year here with Hamilton making up 15 places in 24 laps in the sprint. Um, that was one of the ones that was really confusing for me when they were saying, you know, he's come from the back to the front in the race. Well, he actually didn't. He came from back to the front in the sprint, so was then – far further up the grid when it came to Sunday's race. So I think, from my opinion, it's little technicalities with like that with how a weekend runs that can make people quite sceptical of these types of changes within Formula One, you know, not being clear on whether or not a penalty will be applied to a sprint race or the Sunday um, full race format start um, or if, you know, if you do have that um position whether it goes to qualifier or to sprint race arena things like that I think when it's just not clear as to how the weekend is organized where the points go where they don't go um, can just make people a bit skeptical it does look like they are gradually sorting it out though as I said and I think it's not necessarily a bad thing that we have more of these next year um, but it can be quite track specific as to whether or not it is a good format for different race weekends. So lots to look forward to when it comes to Brazil, already plenty to have seen and KMAG absolutely taking the cake when it comes to the epic visuals that we've had already in that house garage. Gosh, what you do to be there. Now, as you might have guessed, I love telling stories, but more than that, I love hearing people tell their stories. And as part of Freya's Free Practice Fridays, or thank goodness it's Fridays with Freya for Free Practice, I I forget, (laughs) I want to learn not just about the people involved in Formula One but the people who watch it. So we tapped one Lakeside Drive listener on the shoulder and invited her to tell us her story. So, Emily. When did you first get introduced to F1? What's your earliest F1 memory? So I think, yeah,
0: I think I've mentioned this to you before. Is that like, it's always been sort of like a Sunday stuck on the TV thing for my dad. So I definitely grew up, my dad would usually fall asleep watching it with the remotes in his hand and we couldn't change the channel. So you'd end up just sat there with on the TV and that was like one of my earliest memories. But my dad, um, also <laughs> his little claim to fame, has a big picture on the wall somewhere. Is he used to race Formula Four. Okay. So um, we do sometimes tease him that that doesn't even exist. But um, do you know where he raced Formula Four? Like what countries? Do oh, you England. Know? So we, okay, right. this is when we so we grew up in the UK. So um, he was obsessed with Silverstone. Yeah. So, um used to go there on the weekends, race these Formula Four cars. Like, I don't know if he was ever competitive or whether he was just doing it for the fun of it. I don't yeah. know. Um, I would love to ask him more about this. I really <laughs> should. I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but never asked him. Um but he had this really cool, I remember this book, and it was like a massive book, and in the front there was a CD to go with it, and it was all like the the kind of history so far, and this was in the 90s for Mm. sure, it's like the history so far of um, F1 cars, but it was like the CD was um, a live recording of F1 cars going around Silverstone. So it was like they had put... Obviously, like microphones, I suppose, yeah, more advanced microphones (laughs) at different points in the track, so you could hear it. It was just like one car going around. I assume because it used to just like disappear into the background, and then you could hear it like coming back around again. It it was so fascinating. My dad used to turn off all the lights, put on the like surround sound on his sound system, and then just we would all just sit there and be like, "Oh, there's the car." It was wild, but it was it kind of got us into it as kids. and then I suppose, like obviously, moving out of home, it wouldn't be on the TV anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just I was never really didn't really follow it as a support as a sport. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, but then yeah, Drive to Survive kicked off, and that became the new Netflix thing to watch. And yeah. you know, I was like, oh my god, this is class! Like, and I think, um, and I'm again like, a, we know it's been so successful, successful, right? But for so many people, sort of my age, it gave us that insight into like oh like this is not even my age but like I suppose people with like my level of kind of knowledge of F1 like it gives yeah. you that background to be able to support like a team or a driver or yeah I don't know yeah. uh, so it just really kind of got me into it again do you still have the CD? <laughs> probably
1: <laughs> I just, all I can imagine is like your dad's still sitting at home he's but coming for Christmas the I kids should are all gone, and you're
0: sitting there you're listening, listening it, to it it on by his own himself.
1: <laughs> yeah by
0: candlelight no doubt yeah. Um, do you know, what could you, you imagine do? listening to that driving? Oh, You'd be
1: like... <laughs> all of a sudden you're just sitting, like, revving it at the lights. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah, pulling yeah. the handbrake up around the corner. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, that would be good fun. So you mentioned that you, like, it kind of sounds, as so I don't put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you didn't necessarily kind of fall in love with F1. That Initially that kind of came later. Yeah. As you learned more about it and the kind of the people involved and the stories and that type of thing And you mentioned obviously Drive to Survive and Mm -hmm. Netflix. What's your view on the Netflix effect, so to speak, and how that's changed the sport? Recognizing that you're someone who kind of through that actually got more into it, but you know, you were already, maybe you were already a committed fan in a certain way. What's your (laughs) thought on the, the Netflix effect?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, again, like, because I did sort of grow up with it in my household, but I've, I never, it was never wrong because I chose it to yeah, be something yeah, yeah, we were okay. watching or following. Yeah. So, um, and then of course I wasn't around like all my dad's formula for stuff was before he had kids. Yeah, okay. So we were never part of it, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, my, my sort of like interest as a fan definitely came about from the drive to survive side of things. um, regards to the Netflix Netflix effect. Um, I'm definitely one of these naive people who one hundred percent believes that what you're watching is fact. Yeah. And okay. like yep. this hasn't been construed in any way to make it more um I don't know, like engaging as a um oh no, as it's not being dramatized. I'm like at this all. is so factual. <laughs> like, did you not see what he said? Like, yeah, no, that's how I like to believe it is. Yep. Um, so I do have to <laughs> remind myself to take that step back. Um, but personally, I think it's it, been great, right? Because it's given people that that insight into a sport that you wouldn't necessarily get that, right? Like, um, you know, you look at football, for example. Like, it's so easy. And I'm sure you can do this for F1, but is it done as much? I don't know. Yeah. But, like, you can visit, like, a grounds and, and go into, like, Dressing rooms and like get like the experience, right? You can't really get into like the nitty-gritty of Mm. Formula One unless you're like a really special person and get invited um, to be like trackside and things like that. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're Freya. Um so yeah, it's just I think it's really nice to give people who would never sort of imagine themselves getting that behind the scenes Mm. sort of feel. Mm. Um, and I love just kind of understanding like what the teams are doing like you hear all this stuff all this jargon gets thrown around on the weekends and it's even hard to listen to what the commentators are saying sometimes because yeah. there's so much going on on the screen yeah um so it is kind of cool to just kind of see like you know why the car was different why it had such a big impact like and I know we're watching it like a season behind basically yeah but it, it's just kind of interesting to understand those things I yeah
1: think. I think it's it's really interesting. It definitely has, like you said, kind of like opened what was a kind of closed room, mm. kind of, kind of, so to speak, in terms of being able to get a better understanding as to how a team ends up where they do or how yeah. a car ends up where it does. Um, what I- And what is about it? What is it about Formula One? So if you kind of go, okay, you had a bit of a taste of it as a kid mm. and then you watched strive to survive and that kind of re-engaged you with it and kind of you fell in love with it in your own way, what keeps you watching? Because like you said, Sundays are now a ritual for you again, which yeah, perhaps they weren't yeah. for a while. So now what is it that keeps drawing you back? Gosh, this is a good question.
0: And <laughs> probably like the drama of it yeah. all. Like obviously it's, it's a highly entertaining sport as a spectator like we all have those races where we're like well that's boring like nothing's happened like "Ooh, can someone crash please (laughs) um obviously it's risky it's like even just and obviously like I suppose social media helps us so much right even just seeing like some of the training they're doing on when you see it on Instagram and you're like wow like they put their bodies through so much um and I think also, like understanding it a bit more over the last few years is like how much of an influence it's. It's not just one person; mm. it's a massive team, mm. and that comes to like the team who were there on the day, um, and the teams who were like back in the the like factories offices and, stuff. and the factories, yeah. yeah, and everybody who's. It's like it's just such a like massive thing to even get people there, yeah. and and um, like obviously it changes location, and like that's interesting and different tracks, and it's not like. It's it's different every time, right? Yeah. I've never been into football, and to me, it's like I'm watching the same. Like I don't even know how many people are on the pitch. Ted. <laughs> Precise. We'll like, have to be clear for listeners that when you say football, you mean soccer. soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you're just all doing the same thing again. Yeah, you yeah, <laughs> say The yeah. pitch is the exact same size, or no new challenges here. Oh look, you injured yourself. Boo hoo. Like it's just, <laughs> I just don't find it. Like I think that's probably where I do find F1 just so kind of yeah. engaging, right? Yeah. And it's like And like the things that can make a massive difference. Yeah. Like you like like we've seen pit stops like ruin championships. It's just yeah. like that that blows my mind. Yeah. Like, and that's not your fault. It's someone else that's like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it just yeah, I think just even like the, the kind of energy that it brings definitely yeah. is what I think. always like a just being in awe of the
1: sport mm. itself. For sure. In a bit in a In a certain way, of like the sport, the teams, and the the drivers for sure. Like everything that's a part of it. Yeah, 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 for sure. So you have backed a winning horse when (laughs) it comes to who you support. Why are you a Red Bull fan? And are you a fan of the drivers or of the team?
0: Mm. Um, (laughs) First question first. Why? uh, do you know, a lot of this came from Drive to Survive and right. just even, um, and you, you'll be glad to know that through watching Drive to Survive, one of the drivers who became my favourite person was Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, straight saying. away. <laughs> and it was like in the seasons when he was with Renault. Yeah. And I was like, he was just brilliant. And then I can't, I actually can't remember, you'll remember better than me what his decision was. Mm. And was it, oh no, it was the season where he left Red Bull and then went to Renault. Went to Renault. That's what yeah. it was. And I remember, I remember me and, me and James, um, my husband, I should clarify, not James from Lakeside Drive. Um, we were both like, why did he do that? Like he should have stayed. And yeah. I think then that, it was almost like we kind of naturally were taking like Red Bulls. side. So I don't even know how it happened, but we just, yeah. we were. I should end the
1: interview right now. No, then no, after no. that. <laughs> um,
0: and then we just kind of hook to like the way that we're massive max for and fans it's just kind of the way that he is mm. and he's so young but like so aggressive and just yes. doesn't even care like like he is I will win or I will lose like mm. and I know that's been said so many times but like he will just put everything on the line and I know they all do I totally get that but I just don't think I've ever seen anyone just not care about anything else yeah. so much like yeah. he gets out there and he was like if I'm not at the front just forget about it like yeah. and that's kind of like an addictive thing to back right mm. it's probably like an easy thing to support because <laughs> I'm like yeah he's gonna win this is great <gasps> um, but no there's just something about him I quite, I quite liked like I just liked that sort of spirit what does your dad think about you being a yeah, Red Bull? He's, no, he's, he's a Hamilton fan <laughs> through and through. Um, and it was last year it was horrific in our family chat. It was oh, like, my God. It was like, ham's going to get it. And I was like, we were like, me and my sister are both Max fans as well. But, um, yeah, just the family chat was wild last year. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a fun place to be. Um, but, yeah, no, dad, dad doesn't... I, I don't. I think he finds them too brazen and too yeah. like aggressive. But again, like,
1: is it because they've come from a slightly different era, right? Where well, that's it. Like Red Bull only came into the sport as a works team in two thousand and four, which mm-hmm. is interesting. So if you, you know, if you're someone who grew up watching it, like they didn't even exist. exist yeah. Right?
0: So like, all I remember watching it when I was younger is um, Michael Schumacher in a red outfit. That's yeah. all I remember. Yeah. Okay.
1: Like that's as far as my. And to be fair, I think that's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes yeah kind of around our our age I yeah. suppose. that's fantastic <laughs> um I'm sorry I'm just imagining like that moment after Abu Dhabi oh you, with you and your dad last oh speaking <laughs> Amazing.
0: yeah because dad actually even even before this season kicked off my dad was threatening me that um the FIA were going to retract Max's championship win mm. because of like and I was like, no, they're not, not going to do that. But I was actually so scared. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, classic. Oh, that's you was know, happen.
0: I was yeah. like, what if it happens? Yeah. I will be honest. I don't like that his car is now number one. I'm mm. like, dude. We all know. You, just, you were 33. Just <laughs> go back to that. Like, that just annoyed me. I was like, no one else has done that half mm-hmm. Like, just, no,
1: sit down. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. But, There's limits. Yeah, yeah. Um, You mentioned that every track is different. Every location brings something special. Do you have a favourite track or location? And if so, why? Um, Of the current.
0: Yeah, of the current ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously last year, right, like Abu Dhabi stood out so much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can just say even from, from this year and last year sort of confirmed it, I love Mexico, mm. mainly because when I watch it, I just want to be there.
1: Yeah, and
0: like, okay. And I don't have that strong of a feeling with with any others. Um, having said that, we, like, again, myself and James have both acknowledged that, like, if we're going to go to a track, it'll be spa. Okay. Just for the, like, authentic, yeah. like, history-type experience, right? Um, and then I suppose just being in Europe, you could go to something you're even
1: to pick one <laughs> okay,
0: <I'm sorry. laughs> um, i i'd say talk to, to watch like as i do typically on the tv mexico
1: yeah. yeah so that's really interesting we we i was talking to um timo on the undercut podcast on my mm. drive about this because mexico doesn't necessarily produce the no. most exciting race racing ride which yeah I was Tell just going to say this because yeah. I remember
0: watching it recently and I was just like, hmm. It wasn't down, it, it Daniel uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Found himself halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Had an epiphany. Um, for me, I think, I don't know whether it's because when when you ask me, like, what's my favourite, I'm imagining myself there as a spectator. Okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and just kind of that
1: feel and whereas you think about spa and you're imagining yourself in a raincoat yes yes, yes,
0: yes. (laughs) I still want to go there but I'm in a
1: raincoat yeah
0: Yeah. Um, and even just you know the way they finish it and it's like just It's just, they put so much effort in. I
1: think that's quite cool. Plus you get the mariachi version. Yeah, yeah. Version. Oh, my God. Just
0: Just gets everyone in a good mood straight away. It was amazing.
1: I was like, I I watched um, Mexico on a plane. Mm. Like, I was on the United flight um, up to New York and was watching that. And I was, like, literally sitting on this plane, like, being like, where are the trumpets? I remember because I had my noise canceling headphones on. Oh, my God. It was just an incredible experience. Yeah, it's cool. Um, So... You probably answered my next question, which was if you could go to one race next year, you've got 800 to choose mm, from, um, but where would it be? Do you think it would be, would be Spa? Or, or maybe the question is if you had to pick between Spa and Mexico next year, which would be? Do you know, it's
0: just so funny, like the idea of going to Mexico just excites me yeah. so much. yeah. I really don't even know why. I can't, yeah. I can't give that a genuine reason, so I do apologise. <laughs> um, I feel like, <laughs> this is so bad. Maybe it's because I'm from Europe. I yeah. feel like I will go to spa when I'm like
1: 50 or so.
0: okay. Right. <laughs> like, that'll be like a year down the line. And um, I feel like Mexico's somewhere you need to go in. you're a bit more like... Energetic Energy. and like up for the tequila that will come for days after.
1: When you're happy to live off tequila and churros yeah, for like so yeah. three days. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. And that's, that, you're okay with that. Yeah. Spa will be when I need a few hip replacements.
1: So just slip not slip over in the rain. Um, where do you go for your Formula One content or how do you mm. like to kind of update it? Yeah, exactly. The F1 app. Mm. the the Formula One app and oh,
0: um, yeah or Instagram
1: yeah for, for drivers Instagram? or
0: for teams or that type of thing or both actually so um on Instagram I would follow the the Formula One page mm. um, and then I follow obviously the, the drivers and the teams that I follow yeah I follow the, who I the follow follow who I follow
1: followception
0: <laughs> mm. um, yeah just to even see what's going on and see what's kind of news has landed it's it's obviously a great way to get it in like bite-sized chunks
1: right yeah yeah it's interesting that you look for the the blue tick so to speak yes, yes. in that you go for kind of official sources yeah 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 as yeah. opposed to <laughs> unofficial sources we're doing really well Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> you know what I mean
0: you kind of wa- like speculation is great for sure but um I am one of uh, yeah I am definitely one of those people who's like let me check what is real
1: like mm-hmm. le- like
0: I don't, I don't know, maybe, aside from you, I don't have any sources <laughs> close enough to actually it's, listen to. It's so, so problematic
1: that I'm your source. <laughs> it's really, really worrying for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talking about information, is there is there something you would like to know more about or kind of learn more about when it comes to Formula One? Definitely the
0: technical side mm. So I am one of these people as well and, and like this applies to like My work life and personal life Is that I'm I'm sort of like I like to be all or nothing Right, right. So If you're trying to get me involved In something that I don't understand Or Like let's take a new sport For example If mm. I don't understand The rules And the why And the like Who's good And how to be good And mm. everything I'm not I'm, I'll lose interest Yeah I'm Like I'm out Yeah Because I can't give all of myself to it, okay. right? So um, there are times with Formula One where I'm like, I just, just want to understand a little, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. I do want to, I still get confused with like undercut, overcut. It's like the offside rule to me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what is, what's happening? Yeah. Which one's right? yeah. Um I would love to just, uh, yeah, really understand like the cars and the technology behind mm. it. And, and I suppose more so like, don't get me wrong, I don't need to know the makeup of the engine because I'm never going to service one. Yeah. But it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. Why? Like, okay, the rules have changed. What does that mean? Yeah. And and why have they changed? And what will this now mean for the teams and the drivers? Mm -hmm. And Like, again, I've like, obviously recently read that um, Red Bull have limited their air tunnel time for next year and it's like, okay, but what do they do in the air? Like, obviously you can guess, but we get it. I assume it's like, um, for ultimate testing of like aerodynamics and that's just me assuming things but I would love to know more about that and I, I don't really know where to go to get that to be totally mm-hmm. honest
1: in the sort of level that I need really. uh, yeah so with, with with the kind of that tech talk pitched at the right level level that it yeah. will kind of because you'll, you'll lose not me make sense <laughs> okay, it. yeah Ooh. totally
0: or well, we've gone too
1: far yeah
0: and <laughs> um, so yeah I, I would definitely love to that and I know like don't get me wrong I know I could sit there and search for Things on YouTube, but yeah, I also don't need it right now. Mm. I'm, I'm engaged enough, yeah, which is good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I haven't yet gone. I'm not interested. despite there being like so many races and everything else, you're somehow so still many, paying attention. so many. Yeah, um, god, yeah, <laughs> is there a track that you would like to see on the calendar that's not, or or a location or even you know, it doesn't have to be a track that exists necessarily, <laughs> like, is there a location? that you think would be really cool to see a Formula One race in Grand Prix in?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, to be honest, I don't know if I know enough to like make an overly informed decision, but it it does blow, like, is there, is there one in Germany?
1: Not at the moment, no. no.
0: So like, I always think to myself, like, I I always think it's there. Mm. And that's exactly why I was just like, is there? yeah that that's one that's always um surprised me but wasn't there like issues of like safety with the neuro ring that i can't pronounce properly sorry for the end the term you just call it the neuro ring yeah i gotta do it i gotta do it
1: that's fantastic i am just leaving it neuro ring it's
0: so great but i I feel like we were talking about this recently and there was like real like issues safety
1: concerns there are so there's a few tracks that exist where there have been pretty terrible mm. crashes in the past. So, for example, Mugello, mm-hmm. great track, really um, designed really well when it comes to entertaining racing that type of thing. But it's got some safety issues with it, which has resulted in some pretty serious accidents. Gosh, which is yeah. one of the reasons why it's, I'm sure, it's one of many um, not mm. on the calendar at the moment. But let's go with Germany, and I think yeah, it yeah. is an interesting point that like there's so much German involvement. Yes. Obviously from all sorts of perspectives. Yeah. Um, in terms of and also with um Audi coming in. Yeah, as I was well. just gonna
0: say, even if you look at like,
1: general car mm-hmm. manufacturing, like yeah,
0: Germany is like just such a massive and then even for us, like obviously growing up in Europe, like <laughs> Germany was the place people would go when they have was it the um so the autobans, like the roads that have like no speed no limits, like, yeah. like, hey, <laughs> like I'm off with a new car, and like so. I just like maybe it's just that I kind of just associate it as like a
1: car yeah. hungry place. Like, yeah, I think certainly. that's a fair association, and and again, like their yeah. involvement in every element of the sport
0: mm. would make
1: sense. And I'm, I'm I'm surprised that we haven't we won't see a German race yeah. on the grid next year. Grid, grid on grid. the calendar on the calendar calendar on the track i feel like i know what your the next calendar question calendar is
0: what i feel like i know what your next question i mean is. go for it be ready to be disappointed which track I would i not like to see or like to not sure take? let's go it wasn't but let's go for it <laughs> i think you know this already there's two okay. yeah i, I, <sighs>
1: so I don't like
0: miami don't agree with it mm. because it's not a track it's a car park <laughs> <laughs> Just. Uh, issues um, and the Vegas thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I think there, it's going down a great path, and like, it generates so much um, awareness and awareness. It's not a charity that needs awareness, but um, like, yes, to be clear, if one is not not a charity, a charity. <laughs> not accepting donations.
1: Mm. Um, I'm would accept donations. Yeah, they, but they don- don't. <laughs> Not
0: from me. Uh, <laughs> They do not need my support financially, <laughs> let's be clear. Um, yeah, it's just, it does so much to to generate sort of like new popularity, new interest, mm. get people excited. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. If I got a free ticket to go be in Vegas like, the weekend, I'm, I'm going because yeah. that would be a hella vibe. But the racing, like, is it going to be any good? Mm. Like, I just, I, I'm skeptical about that. Um, and then obviously like the Miami thing, I know for certain reasons it has to fit where it fits in the track or in the calendar, sorry, Mm. but it's like, then it doesn't work. Like if it doesn't work, don't do it. Like, Mm. I just like, are we sacrificing like certain things for a good race just to get Miami in there because it's Miami woohoo. Like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it, just,
1: it Just frustrates me. Sorry to all of our uh, Miami listeners. We do have some over there who are absolutely wonderful, wonderful people who we, we met in Miami. Miami we we'll go to Miami it. all the time. Let's However, get this clear. Um, yeah, it's
0: just yeah.
1: No, I'm with you. And I think I'm thinking what you're trying to say. Just in terms of you know other other places that would have better racing, they're not going ge- to re- yeah. generate as much revenue potentially. And like
0: everyone was like but. absolutely exhausted, dehydrated, like on the verge of like yeah near-death experiences here <laughs> which is an issue what they're doing every week but yeah yeah I just I was like was that worth it yeah like if we can't do it in the slightly cooler times of year or mm. on a better quality track or yeah and of course there was like no other racing before it right because obviously it's not it's not set up for that so then the track has like issues and there's mm. parts of it where you've um sort of like lack of grip and so are you really driving to your full ability then? Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, I have question mark. <laughs> I have questions. Question mark. And there was like, know, it did it. feel like, I know as a spectator watching it, it was like patched, like patched tarmac mm. in places.
1: You're like, oh my God, was this done yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> did feel a bit, I don't know. I think um, the, the challenging thing with, I know it's not all tracks, but looking at the likes of Vegas and Miami, you know, Vegas tickets are two to two and a half thousand for a seat. Yeah. $500 a day for general admission. Yeah. Like, when you, if that's the trend in the direction that the ticket prices are going, don't even, like, don't even think about your accommodation yeah, for that and your weekend flight, yeah. and then flights, flights to and get food them. and all mm. that type of thing, paying 30 bucks for a beer. Like, it's just become so inaccessible. I think it's yeah. the, my, one of my biggest, um, Kind of issues with that. Like, I again, I don't think, whilst we might be naive occasionally when it comes to that's exactly what he said, and that's why he left um, Red Bull. But, um, but so I think we're, you know, we're very aware of the business needs of mm-hmm. an organization like that. But I think the sacrifice
0: and how far it's pulled away
1: from fans is a problem.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then that does get a bit annoying because it's like, okay, the tickets that are the most expensive are the ones where. The, the driving sort of quality might mm. be reduced. And it's yeah. like, well, what are we paying for? Then? Yeah.
1: Oh, totally totally right. you know.
0: like But it's tapping into a different market of fans, right? Yep. um
1: And George Russell said that kind of in the Vegas launch. He basically mm. said, like, this track is built for entertainment. I don't know how fun it's going to be to drive and it's going to actually be really hard to focus as a driver. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah.
0: It's the- hard to focus in Vegas as a pedestrian. Yeah. <laughs> 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 your mind. Yeah. Having to, uh, yeah,
1: fair play to them. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, So I've got two more questions for you. First of all, what is your predictions (laughs) for Brazil now that you know what the poll outcome is? (laughs) Amazing. Um, Well, yeah. Well, there is still a sprint. There There is still a sprint
0: mini race. Um, Oh, predictions! I don't know. Obviously, I'd like to (laughs) still think Max will be. be first um but also uh, like obviously he's already won the championship so it is really nice to kind of watch this battle going on between between everyone else and um, obviously even not because it's Red Bull I do love Perez I just yeah. think he's so wholesome as a human I <laughs> just like want to go out with him and like have <laughs> tackle somewhere like just he just seems so like genuine um, yeah. I just kind of want to see him do well um, so I, I would actually love to see him I would have loved to have seen him win last um, yeah. in Mexico but hey whatever um, okay so let's go with I'll go Max first Paris second Maybe I'll go Hamilton third, tell which me, is very typical, tell me you go it? for Red I'm Bull
1: really without telling me you go for Red Bull.
0: <laughs> I know, well, uh, like, no offence, Ferrari, but, like, it's been really interesting to watch, like, at the beginning of the season, obviously, Red Bull had their issues. Mm. And, like, I was terrified that this was, like, Ferrari season because, like, yeah. it was pegged to be, right? Um, and it's just been so interesting to watch, like, later in the season that, like, Mercedes, now we're, like, Last year, I'd have never been egging on Hamilton, but this year we were like, "Yay!" Like he's doing really well and like yeah. bringing it back from like nowhere, basically. Yeah. So that's been really, really interesting to see. To be fair, I do actually feel quite bad for the Ferrari drivers some weekends because just the stuff that's been happening has been a bit wild. But yeah, um, yeah I would oh, look. Maybe we could give Leclerc a podium <laughs> It's been a while.
1: <laughs> You might forget what they look like. For now. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Let's Get lost see. on the way to the podium. Where is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and last question for you, because this is of course for Lakeside Drive, who is your yeah. favourite Lakeside Drive host? Boo, let's remember who's buying you a drink after this to yeah, say obviously. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> obviously Freya. Um
1: That's the answer. Well, me. I've only so met yeah. Freya
0: and James very briefly, but um, yeah.
1: Obviously, yeah. And that is the end of the interview. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Cut. 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 right there. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, Emily, though, and sharing a bit about your your story in the context of Formula 1. It's yeah. been really good fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Emily, for spending some time with me, talking F1 and sharing your story we all know Tommy is your favourite. That's okay. I'll I'll let you get away with get away with that. Just because I'm sitting in front of you doesn't mean it has to be me. But really appreciated spending some time with you. Um, and I'm still questioning whether or not there's actually a a way you can actually play CDs anymore which is a challenge you might have to figure out by Christmas when when your dad comes to visit but thanks so much for telling your story and sharing it with other Lakeside Drive fans and look out you might be the next one who I tap on the shoulder and ask to share what it is you love about Formula One and why you support who you do and how you got into it. Like me, Emily loves watching sport, movies, TV from all over the world. Apparently not soccer. Sorry, football. Uh, but we can both do that. We can both watch sport and movies from all over the world because of the magic that is a VPN. And you can as well. With NordVPN, you get two years at a discounted rate with four months free at nordvpn.com forward slash Drive. You get to have that remote content. You can watch your football if that's your thing. You can watch your Formula One if that's your thing. Um, And you'll also know that that is private as well. They've doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. So say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware and people threatening to give you money. Uh, Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess on your computer. And don't forget that this is all risk-free you've got a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you like it then great and if you don't they'll give you a refund and we can all act like it never happened so go and check out nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive and access your favorite content from all over the world So I suppose what we would call our second profile um, for today is Rachel Mindell, who is a material scientist with Mercedes. So Rachel studied a master's in materials engineering at the University of Birmingham. She did a year abroad over in um, Illinois. Which would have been an amazing experience. I'm sure very different from Birmingham. Stepping foot over into the US, um, especially in a place like like Illinois, and obviously Birmingham, incredibly different cultures and experiences. But as soon as she finished that engineering degree, went and joined Mercedes straight after she had finished university as a graduate engineer initially. So, um, came in at very, a very junior point in her career and that was only in 2016. So when we're talking about people's careers, um, I think it's really interesting to hear about, um, F1 roles where their incumbents have built up over a matter of decades um, or might not even have been, you know, targeting Formula One and motorsport as their careers and others who who really went straight there when it comes to where they wanted to work and what they wanted to do. So what does a material scientist do in the world of Formula One? We're looking at things like material selection and characterization, as well as qualification of those, process development and control. Proof of concept, components developing and testing. So basically does it do what we think it's going to do and is it what we think it is, Um, as well as analysis of failure as well. And that might be through service or through the manufacturer as well. But this is a job that really emphasises the scientific method when it comes to having a hypothesis, testing that, and then putting it into practice through um, that that rigorous kind of feedback and testing um, process, which is quite interesting. But basically what they're doing is looking at how they can take advantage of materials at their absolute limits, as well as introducing new materials. So basically you're coming up with hypotheses or ideas. Um, For example, you might be looking for a lighter or more reliable or more efficient um, materials solutions. So coming up with those ideas um, and seeing if that will be something that helps a car to go faster and deliver performance. So those ideas, um, you have, you know, that kind of creative hub within Formula One where you have the resources to go and actually test them, create them. Um, So they'll go through that testing and evaluation process and then only after that can it go through the designers who turned that hypothesis or that idea into actual components. Um, then going through another kind of rigorous testing process before it makes it into the car, you'd hear from some of the other um, roles that we've, we've profiled so far when it comes to wind tunnel technicians and everything else getting involved to see if this material is actually performing in the way you think it's going to. But their role very much supports almost every element of design and manufacturer when it comes to their material needs. So material science scientists and engineers contribute to performance by basically working on a combination of both the reliability but also performance of the car. But it's not just that. They're also trying to assess and resolve any issues coming back from the track. So, again, Similarly to other roles um, that we've talked about, you know, you have this combination of constantly trying to develop a new product, so thinking about what the the fuel blueprint will look like for, for next year, but then also trying to figure out what's going on with the fuel at the moment. And can we, can we evolve the, the current, um, makeup of, of that, that fluid. So you have this constant battle between trying to develop new things and then fixing what's going on at the moment. If there's any issues coming back from a race weekend or or testing as well. So that means that on a day-to-day basis, Rachel will be working between the lab and her desk. And working on development plans and projects that will all really centre around um, capability improvements, which then adds to the knowledge base at Mercedes. But then, of course, you can just put all of that down because something at the track or testing fails and those R&D projects just get put on hold until that problem is resolved. So just another person out there hoping for no phone calls although perhaps because it's Mercedes, um, it's emails instead. But like many technical roles in Formula One, Rachel's role revolves around modelling, theories and data and data analysis, which of course means that when it comes to to data and, you know, we've we've said that there's hypotheses there, but you often think that data is going to behave a certain way, that a product that you're testing is going to go in a certain direction, but often it does something actually completely different. And hopefully it's less often than you think it's going to be. But Rachel describes this as one of the most challenging parts of her role is that you have a theory, but then the data doesn't behave in the way that you're expecting, which means you have to go back and understand your theory in a lot more detail for one, but then adapt that To what you're seeing in the data so having these hypotheses having your data and your your material behave in a certain way sometimes not with the way in the way you're expecting and then having to go back and basically figure out why and and re-hypothesize and adapt those theories so constant constant problem solving which as you can imagine when it comes to just how our brains work. We want to, re- we want to resolve things. We want to, we want to know why something is working the way it is. And, and that's her job to do would be putting a lot of, um, a lot of stress and pressure on, um, on your problem solving centers. And because you didn't get enough of me tripping over my words last week and the week before the lab that Rachel works in Um, isn't a mobile one in comparison to some of the the trackside fuel technicians, for example. um, She's not in a role that travels to circuits, which means that um, Rachel would have a lot of microscopes to work with and big microscopes to work with. So let's get some of those tongue twisters out. Um, We've got the SEM, otherwise known as the scanning electron microscope, we have the EDX, which is the Energy Dispersive X-ray Spectroscopy. Yep. And the digital microscopes as well. So, of course, on top of that, with all of the software and analytical programs to actually figure out how to, to use those materials. But, again, I think um, when we're thinking about um those different roles in Formula One and how you have to make your work adapt. Um, you know, you've got you've got some people who are having to operate out of um, wardrobes in the back of garages to to test fuel components, and then Rachel, who will be in the lab with a nice big setup um, and things that don't have to get packed down in six hours on a Sunday night. But about eighty five percent of a Formula One car is made from composite. So composite is a material um, made by combining two or more different materials together in order to create um, a composite to get basically the best out of both. Um, So usually these two materials would be a polymer matrix and then a reinforcing agent such as a fibre. So for example, if you combine fibre and resin, that would give you a composite. So an advanced polymer composite um, is what she is working on most of the time that's mostly what she is analyzing again because that makes up the vast majority of the car or close to close to 85 percent of most formula One cars but she'll also be looking at some um you know different types of medals and things like that especially when there's been a failure at the, at the track her team will be trying to figure out, what's going on, why that material is not behaving in the way that it was supposed to, has it failed in the way that it's supposed to, Um, and and that would also change the types of materials that she's working with as well. But when it comes to favourite parts of the role, um, for Rachel, like many, it's about working with technology um, and technology that is right on the limit. And is cutting edge when it comes to innovation and I don't think this is true for almost any role as much as it is for material science in particular because we think about materials we don't know what we don't know yet um you know she's literally out there figuring out what the next you know most Flexible but reliable but efficient material might be, and of course these are things that are developed for Formula One cars, but might then also translate to to other products um, as well. Um, when it comes to um, you know motorsport and um, and cars and transportation and aerospace and and all sorts of things, so it's a huge innovation era. And if you think about area, sorry, and if you think about um, materials and where they've come from, you know. And the, I suppose the narrative, the storyline of material science, you can go back to the Stone Age. You know, people in the Stone Age wouldn't have known that the next thing that they were going to have to work with the Bronze Age. And the Bronze Age, people wouldn't have known that the next thing was the Iron Age and then antiquity and then through the Silicon Age with, you know, a whole new inventions. So it does sound like a really exciting Part of Formula One to work in because you, you you have the opportunity to to test those hypotheses, test your new ideas, and and see if it works in the way that you think it you got it's going to. And like I said, you don't know what you don't know yet, and you don't know what you might be creating. So I'm sure that's a really exciting part of it. Um, and as she mentions, one of her favorite parts of of the job. But of course, working in F1 means that you get to see those ideas come to life and be back on or be on track, be on the car delivering performance in a matter of weeks so as opposed to trying to secure funding in order to test your idea in an academic setting for example you know that you you have that backing and you have the the resources available in order to see it through um, if it does turn out to be something that is likely to to deliver performance um and improve how the car goes so a fascinating area um of formula one to be involved with i feel like i've just you know scrape the tip of the iceberg with this especially when it comes to the history of this type of science Um, it must just be an incredible feeling to know the types of um, problems that you might be solving and where they might go but um, if you're ever wondering about why Mercedes cars are so robust or going so far we might be speeding speaking to Rachel Mindell who helps them to figure all of that out. But that's it for this weekend on Freya's free practice Fridays. Thank you for joining me. Thank you to Emily. Um, thank you for to Rachel for doing incredible work um, over there at Mercedes um, a wonderful area to be involved in and something that, really got me going when it came to just investigating material science and everything that comes with it. Um, Join us next week. We are getting very close to the 900 races um, that we have this year, and it's going to be over 1,000 next year, I've heard. So thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next time. What's up, James? Enjoy.